Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Yeah, we saw a fire underneath one of the cars. More witnesses to a lumber train on fire amid growing questions about the cause of the deadly Lytton fire. Plus, things that are in immediate need that can be used right away. Helping wildfire survivors and doing it right. The caution from those coordinating donation drop-offs. And I was in disbelief. This was my husband's you know, worst fear come true. BC moms call for changes as maternity patients are diverted because of a pediatrician shortage. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. I'm Neetu Garcha. No let-up and no relief tonight in B.C.'s firefight. More on the province-wide situation coming up. But first, the focus of provincial officials remains on the devastated village of Lytton, where the wildfire has claimed at least two lives. Paul Haysom has been outside Lytton all weekend. Paul, what's happening there? Neetu, it has been a steady stream of emergency vehicles making their way into the village of Lytton today, a community that has been decimated by fire. And it's a fire that is still burning tonight and still considered out of control. Jordan Armstrong reports. There's a new estimate on just how much area has burned as a result of the Lytton Creek fire. 7,600 hectares, or 76 square kilometers. Sunday, crews were being helped by what they describe as favorable weather. It's a bit cooler, which is crazy because it's still 33 degrees and we're calling that cool. And then also lower winds. Eight helicopters and 40 firefighters are working to tame the flames in steep mountainous terrain. The current focus, the fire's northern edge between highways 1 and 12. Also, we've been really focusing on you know what structures are still uh, able to be protected within the within the town site and then even outside of that you know it's a lot of there's a lot of structures outside of the of the town site as well there's now an area restriction order for a huge chunk of land the one outlined in black and gray the public is being kept out until further notice possibly as late as october i think it's going to take a while for for everything to sort of uh, move forward and getting people back in the official death toll remains two, with the RCMP saying it has no current reports of anyone missing. But they're open to the possibility that could change. BC's public safety minister says the coroner's service has finished an initial search of Lytton. The uh, site in Lytton is a dangerous site. That's one of the reasons uh, why there has been a bit of a delay in the, uh, the RCMP and the coroner being able to get in there. Uh, there have been uh, noxious gases, for example. Uh, they were able to get in today wearing uh, proper protective gear. Sunday, more clues to the possible cause of the deadly blaze. More witnesses have surfaced to say they saw a lumber train on fire. These images were captured further south in Boston Bar. But now Ryan Miranda and Carrie Ng say that train was already ablaze in Lytton. We saw a fire underneath one of the cars. It looked to be, I don't know, maybe four, four feet in diameter or something at the base. Carrie had said that he saw 
a pickup truck um, from the fire fire department. CN has yet to admit any fault, but a statement released Friday said the railway had offered its full assistance in the investigation. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Now, there's still no official word on when Litton evacuees can get back into their community and assess the damage and see what's still standing. Andrew and Bernie Fandrich tried to get past the checkpoint on Sunday only to be turned away. The family have been riding an emotional roller coaster since they were forced to flee the flames on Wednesday. They have lost multiple homes and businesses in this devastating fire. Bernie's wife ran the Lytton Chinese History Museum, which opened in 2017, but now has been reduced to ash. Andrew also runs the Kumshin Rafting Resort, which at first he thought was gone, but information from the inside now telling him otherwise. Initially, it was um, not looking too good. We had some reports that everything there had burnt down. Um, we've got about five large, like, large buildings at Kumshin. Um, and reports now are that potentially all of those buildings are still standing. We were just glad that we could get out. And she lost everything in that. And, and all the artifacts, the building is, is, is nothing left of it. People ask what they can do to, uh, to help. But at this stage, it's just recovery mode. People had to flee everywhere as well. So that sense of community is, is totally like scattered across the province right now. Wildfire smoke has really moved in in this region south of Lytton as well, and that is likely from a number of spot fires that have flared up, keeping crews busy both on the ground and the air. Nithu? All right, Paul Haysom for us tonight. Thanks very much for that, Paul. Turning now to the hundreds of other fires still burning across B.C. and the hot, dry conditions remain one of the biggest obstacles working against fire crews. Meantime, a First Nations community in the interior is speaking out about a lack of Indigenous knowledge when it comes to the province's firefight. Kristen Robinson has more. East of Hundred Mile House, an aerial attack. A heavy lift helicopter that can haul more than 1,600 gallons of water, unloading it all on a growing wildfire south of Canham Lake. Nobody got any sleep and uh, we're all trying to keep everything cool. Residents on edge as the flames creep closer. It was a little horrifying because it, it came over the ridge, probably came down 800 feet down the ridge. Now it's spotting all over the, the top of the mountain behind us. Nearby, BC wildfire crews attempting a controlled burn to help limit the spread of the lightning-sparked Decca Lake fire, which is threatening more than 800 properties. I'd like to see a state emergency declared because we've got this huge fire on a third of our territory right now. Northwest of Kamloops, the Sparks Lake fire exploding to more than 36,000 hectares and now burning within 500 meters of farms and homes on the Skeechiston Reserve. It's devastating to see it go up in flames, you know, because it's people's livelihoods, it's people's lifetimes, it's people's history. This is the view from Dead Man's Valley, where three ranches are at risk, and Mike Anderson says the province isn't engaging with those who know the land best. The lack of appreciation for the uh, resources we can bring to the table as local people, as local settlers and as First Nations is, is kind of heartbreaking, really. 
The BC Wildfire Service says it wants to work in partnership with Indigenous communities on what could be a challenging two-month firefight. I think tactically we've been able to do that at the ground level. I think unfortunately we need to, to do a better job of ensuring that the leadership of those communities has the intelligence and are part of the planning as we move forward. This kind of stuff really makes a really makes a community nervous. For now, the Skeechiston hoping the flames stay out of their village. Kristen Robinson, Global News. BC is getting more resources when it comes to our firefight. Keith Baldry joins us with more on that. So Keith, what do we know about what's coming our way? Yeah, very interesting. Last week, Premier John Horgan put the call out saying we will likely require more resources from other provinces. He had a phone conversation with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who also pledged more resources coming BC's way. It's happening very quickly. Starting tomorrow, about 100 firefighters are coming through the Coordination Fire Centre in Winnipeg. We caught up with Public Safety Mike Farnworth today. There'll be 100 uh, firefighters arriving uh, tomorrow from out of province. Uh, that is coordinated through the uh, Canadian Fire Centre through Winnipeg, which, uh, which deals with requests for provinces from, uh, for resources to come into BC. Uh, so that's taking place. Uh, and then uh, once they've been uh, tested for, uh, for COVID, they will be uh, sent to the uh, various parts of the province uh, where they're needed. Yeah, so those 100 firefighters will be tested for COVID with rapid testing, and they will be dispatched to centres, likely around Camelot, where most of the fire activity seems to be. Uh, Mr. Farmworth also telling us the formal request has now been made by the B.C. government to Ottawa for direct uh, allocation of military resources. So there's about 350 people in Edmonton now, and a number of uh, tactical aircraft, including a number of large helicopters. They will be used to transport firefighters and evacuees if need be. And again, the pledge has been made, so look for those uh, things to kick into action pretty quick. We were already at more than 80,000 hectares burned in the worst fire season in 2017 and 2018. We didn't hit that figure until mid-July. We're already at it in early July. It's only July 4th. Incredible stuff. All right, thanks for that perspective, Keith. And for more on the conditions that those fresh firefighters will be facing, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell now. Yvonne, what do we need to know? Nithu, we're not getting relief just yet in the forecast. We're still seeing very dry conditions and little and no precipitation across the board. And we've been tracking thunderstorms and we'll continue to see it through the day tomorrow. Right now, they're non-severe. We don't have any thunderstorm watches or warnings that are in effect. But we've had a line just push its way in areas near the Thompson, areas near Williams Lake and the southeastern corners of the province that are bringing the potential for some lightning. Big concern, though, for tomorrow the winds are going to ramp up we're looking at a northwesterly direction this forecast model showing us lower amounts i anticipate that we could actually see some of those winds uh, 40 gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour so very windy through the afternoon with the potential to see those thunderstorms across the region it'll fan the uh, the fires that we're seeing and we're continuing to see smoky skies for all the areas that'll still be impacted by the local smoke over the next 12 to 24 hours nithu all right thanks very much for that yvonne and more donations being accepted today for victims in Lytton. Box after box of water, food and other essentials being packed up and ready to be put in the back of a semi-trailer. This is the third 53-foot trailer going from Alder Grove to the interior. There is some caution, though. They can't take electronics, household items or clothing. And while they appreciate the outpouring of support, provincial officials say what's really needed is money. Unless the community has asked for specific goods, British Columbians who wish to help are asked to make a monetary donation to trusted organizations such as United Way, Food Banks, BC, or the Canadian Red Cross, who are supporting the province and local authorities and providing assistance to those affected by the wildfires. We want your help, and at this time, a monetary donation is the best way to do it. 
The Tekemloops Tishwetmik says it's bursting at the seams with items collected for B.C. wildfire evacuees. They put out this photo on social media displaying the donations at the Moccasin Square Garden. It says if you've been affected, you are being welcomed to come by and get what you need. And also evidence of generosity in merit. The city posting this photo showing the donations for those from Lytton and other wildfire evacuees at the Nicola Valley Food Bank. They're asking for no more food at this time and there is limited need for new or used camping equipment. More signs today of just how extremely dry it is right now. Firefighters in South Surrey responded to a brush fire this morning. It started in an area near Highway 10 and Highway 15. It's not clear how the flames ignited, but it was burning in three spots along a gravel road. What's most concerning is that the flames were near a wooded area not far from industrial buildings and dozens of homes. Fortunately, someone did spot the fire and called 911. Fire crews arrived about 15 minutes after. A volunteer fire department near Nanaimo is warning people about the dangers of backyard campfires during these high temperatures. Fire crews on Gabriola Island were called out 15 times on Friday for people running gas-powered equipment or having actual campfires on their properties. The island's fire danger rating is at extreme and a fire ban is also in effect. Firefighters are hoping neighbours will educate visitors about the wildfire dangers. And with several evacuation alerts and orders in effect due to wildfires, Emergency Management BC says now is the time to put a plan in place for yourself and for your loved ones in the event a disaster strikes in your region. The province's coordinating agency says whether we're dealing with a flood, fire, earthquake or tsunami warning, you should be aware of what local government agencies are providing updates in your area on and have a meeting place for your household. That's because you may be at work or at school when an emergency strikes. Having a grab-and-go bag with important documents and medications is also especially important if you end up being put on an evacuation alert. Make sure that you, you have at least half, half a tank worth of fuel in your vehicle so you have sufficient fuel to leave the area if you do have to evacuate. Uh, this is really a time to stay tuned to your local authorities uh, to, to be keeping an eye on any, any updates and emergency information they might be disseminating. He says when an evacuation order does come down, you need to leave immediately, get out of the area and into a safe place. After the break, the controversy surrounding a prominent BC activist and writer. She needs to resign uh, and she needs to be fired. There's no way out of this. The inflammatory tweet that has the head of the BC Civil Liberties Association facing heat and who's coming to her defense. Plus. I think it's ridiculous that that's even an issue right now. They need to have a fully operational maternity ward. Pregnant patients call a gap in pediatrician coverage unacceptable. The changes they're calling for next. An Indigenous relations consultant is demanding the head of the B.C. Civil Liberties Association resign over an inflammatory tweet. Harsha Walia is the executive director of the organization that fights for civil liberties and human rights. She's also a longtime advocate for migrant justice, Indigenous rights, equality and economic justice. 
On June 30th, Walia tweeted, burn it all down, in response to a news article about two more Catholic churches being torched in the wake of the discovery of hundreds of unmarked graves at former residential school sites. Politicians and Indigenous leaders have repeatedly said burning churches is not the way to get justice. In just that one simple tweet where she said, burn it down, she, got, uh, she actually got a lot of support that, for that. And it's just absolutely saddening uh, that people feel that way. That's not that. That's not how we bridge our relationships. That's not how we move forward together. It's it's infuriating. You're encouraging violence and hate. And if that's what you're trying to do, you have no business having any sort of platform whatsoever. Uh, that's not who we are as Indigenous people. That's not who we are as British Columbians. And that's not who we are as Canadians. And, and it needs to stop. Someone's going to get killed yet and that's my biggest concern and and she needs to be held accountable for that she needs to resign or she needs to be fired there's no way out of this there's people have done less i'll keep saying that there are people in this province and in this country that have done way less than that and were forced to resign or were fired in high-ranking positions and she's no exception i thought it was absolutely uh disgusting and reprehensible Uh, that someone who heads up uh, an organization like that uh, would make such comments. Uh, It's vile beyond belief. It does nothing to to bring about reconciliation. All it does is create uh, uh, conflict and division. It's It's just disgusting. Global News has reached out to Walia and the BC Civil Liberties Association for comment, but did not hear back. In a tweet late today, the Union of BC Indian Chiefs said it stands in strong solidarity with Harsha Walia and that she is a highly respected and valued ally. A Kelowna RCMP officer has resigned before facing a code of conduct hearing, the type of hearing RCMP initiate when they want to dismiss, dismiss rather a member from the force. Chad Vance was accused of seven counts of discreditable conduct. His nine-day hearing was scheduled to begin on July 12th, but that will no longer be going ahead. Vance was previously charged with assault, but that charge was later stayed. He was also charged with sexual assault, but at that trial in February, he was found not guilty. Police are investigating a possible stabbing in Asuyas last night. RCMP say they were called to Legion Beach Park around 11.30, where they found a man suffering from knife wounds. Police say the man and another witness spoke with investigators before the victim was taken to hospital. They add that they don't have a description of any suspects, but a woman saying she is the victim's wife has posted online that a group of teenagers jumped her husband after requesting and being denied money. Fallout tonight from Fraser Health's announcement there will be temporary maternity diversions at Peace Arch Hospital due to a shortage of pediatricians. As Julia Foy reports, families and midwives say the diversion will only add unnecessary stress for expectant parents and their newborns. Four-month-old Ella is a healthy, happy baby. But when her mom went into labor with her in February, her birth plan for delivering at Peace Arch Hospital went out the window. And they said, oh no, um, we're on diversion. And I went, okay, so am I going to Surrey or Langley? And they went, they're both full. And they went, the nearest one we could get you to was at Burnaby or Chilliwack. That's because there was no pediatrician available at Peace Arch, even though there were doctors, nurses, obstetricians, midwives or doulas on staff. We need to make that a priority so that women and birthing families can have their babies in their communities that they live in. 
Instead, the Bergs had to make a hasty 50-minute drive to Burnaby Hospital, away from the support team they knew. I was in disbelief. This was my husband's, you know, worst fear come true. Um, so we got in the car and we left. Um, it was brutal. It's stressful um, to have to leave their community. They don't know any of the doctors or people that will serve them at the other hospital. And it just adds stress. A media release from Fraser Health sent out Friday says expectant parents should not attend Peace Arch Hospital between July 8th and 19th because there's no pediatrician available. I think it's ridiculous that that's even an issue right now. They need to have a fully operational maternity ward just because of the growth and how many people are moving to the area with young families. Little had her son Brian's delivery bump from Peace Arch two years ago and barely made it to Langley Hospital in time. It was very fast. From the moment um, the, that I got to the maternity ward to the moment he was in my arms was nine minutes. It was very quick. We reached out to Fraser Health for an explanation and they responded. Recruiting pediatricians to work in smaller hospitals, particularly those such as Peace Arch Hospital, that do not have pediatric units can be a challenge since some pediatricians prefer to work in larger acute settings. Local moms say the change can't come soon enough. The stories you hear about people delivering in the car or deliver, you know, having to pull over for the ambulance to reach them because they're laboring so hard that they can't continue. Julia Foy, Global News. Well, if you were in contact with an injured bat at White Pine Beach in Belcara last night, you're being asked to seek medical attention immediately. Fraser Health says there is concern over a potential rabies risk for anyone who handled the animal near a floating dock just before 8 p.m. The authority says all members of the group should go to their nearest emergency department immediately to be assessed for possible exposure. A 21-year-old man from Parksville died from rabies two years ago after being nicked on the hand by the animal. And coming up, a nearly normal 4th of July. We're finally safe enough to be out, see other people. Amid loosened COVID-19 restrictions, the U.S. kicks off celebrations with a bang. Plus... On July 5th, those restrictions remain and you still can't come into Canada. What you need to know about the U.S.-Canada border rule changes taking effect just after midnight tonight. A 4th of July fireworks display went wrong on a Maryland beach injuring one worker. A series of explosions sent beachgoers running for cover. The display was being set up in Ocean City when the fireworks were accidentally set off. A worker with the fireworks company was injured but refused treatment. No one else was hurt, thanks in large part to a safety perimeter around the installation. Fire crews are investigating the cause of the incident. July 4th in America looks a lot different this year than in 2020. When COVID-19 virtually shut down the country, in the skies and on the roads, American travel is breaking records as people finally reunite with families and loved ones. But the Delta variant is still a threat. Jennifer Johnson reports. Americans are riding a wave of freedom, celebrating the country's independence and that they're free from COVID-19 lockdowns. After a whole year of um, following the rules, uh, not going out, um, and now we're finally safe enough to be out, see other people. Friends and families are reuniting, optimistic the worst of the pandemic is behind them. Two-thirds of American adults have gotten at least one dose of a vaccine. 
but a new poll shows 74% of those who are unvaccinated are unlikely to ever get immunized. If you look at the number of, of deaths, about 99.2% of them are unvaccinated. Most all of these are avoidable and preventable. Experts say full Food and Drug Administration approval, rather than the current emergency use of the vaccines, might help persuade the reluctant. A lot of individuals that don't want to yet get the vaccine view it as experimental. And they cite the fact that this is still under emergency use as a big reason why they want to wait and see. Some state leaders are emphasizing the importance of getting vaccinated as the Delta variant spreads. In our state, um, which is concerning, hospitalizations are, are rising again. With COVID-19 still killing over 9,700 Americans in June, experts say be wary, this virus is still among us. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Well, come Monday, cross-border travel will get a little easier, but the easing of rules only applies to fully vaccinated Canadians. Abigail Beeman breaks down what you need to know. You'll be able to skip that 14-day quarantine as well as the hotel quarantine and the day eight test if you are fully vaccinated with a Health Canada-approved vaccine. But this isn't a free-for-all at the border. It only applies to Canadians and those already exempt. If you haven't been able to travel up until now and you weren't able to travel and enter Canada on July 4th, that doesn't change. On July 5th, those restrictions remain and you still can't come into Canada. The Canada Border Services Agency is reinforcing staff at crossings, preparing for an influx of travellers after the rules change at 12.01 a.m. Monday. Also happening at 12.01, a new version of the ArriveCan app drops. You'll need it to input your negative PCR test and your proof of vaccination. You also need to take another test on arrival and provide a plan for quarantine in case you test positive. Quarantine hotels are not going away, still needed for unvaccinated air travelers. And family travel is not exactly in the clear. Children under 12 ineligible for vaccination will still need to quarantine at home for 14 days. The rest of the family won't be confined to the house and kids don't need to stay in a quarantine hotel. The Prime Minister has said more announcements could come in a matter of weeks. All eyes are now on July 21st as the next possible date to really open things up at the border. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. Coming up next, smoky skies, the health warnings as air quality deteriorates in the Okanagan amid raging wildfires. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. One of the toughest tests in bike racing completed in B.C. How long it took Ted Russo to go on the distance of Mount Everest elevation just ahead. But first, smoke from the wildfires is expected to filter south to the lower mainland. But those in the Okanagan are already seeing and feeling the effects as smoke blankets that region. Here's Megan Turcato. Summer activities in the Okanagan on Sunday had a backdrop of wildfire smoke. I hardly ever use my inhaler, but since I've been here three days, I've been using it almost on a daily basis. 
A smoky skies bulletin has been issued for the region, the smoke likely coming into the area from fires to the north and west. At a certain point, it doesn't really matter which fire it's coming from. There's, there's a lot of fires and a lot of smoke around. The Air Quality Health Index showed the smoky conditions posed a moderate health risk in the Okanagan on Sunday afternoon. With any of this type of event, we always ask people just to be careful and be aware of how their body is responding. It's going to put your body under stress. It might give you a sore throat or sore eyes or a headache, and people should take health precautions. And Okanagan residents should expect more smoke in the forecast. It's possible we might have a bit of clearing in the, in the next day or so, but I think it's fair for people to be aware of the smoke that's going to be translating across the province for the next while until these fires are more under control. Right now, the blazes burning in the Okanagan are small or relatively remote, but crews continue to deal with a trio of blazes to the east of Kelowna. Just continuing with our suppression activities and what we have with our current resources. In the South Okanagan, some small spot fires sprang up Saturday and are being actioned by initial attack crews. Those 10-meter by 10-meter fires are not threatening any buildings. But the larger fire region that includes the Okanagan has seen a lot of activity. In this last week, we have seen 80 new starts in the Campbell's Fire Centre, so we're still really hot and dry. We just want to remain really safe and be careful up there. Advice many in the Okanagan will be taking to heart as they watch what's happening around the province with concern. Megan Tricato, Global News. And for more on what we need to know about that and the forecast ahead, let's bring back meteorologist Yvonne Schell now. Yvonne, what is the latest? Nithi, we could see some haze actually across the south coast over the next few days. Uh, it has been a bit calmer for us, though, in terms of the temperatures, but it is still scorching hot. We still do have a few warnings that are in effect across the southern half of the province, especially stretching in towards the interior. A glance at some of those numbers today, factor in the humidex, though, even across the south coast, we are feeling closer to 30 degrees. And we still have a heat warning for many areas, the Okanagan included within that. A few spots towards the Thompson and the Kootenai, or the Columbia rather, where the temperatures will be soaring into the low 30s. And it's the overnight lows that will only be dropping between 17 and 20 degrees. So heat warning and we've got that smoky skies that even extends towards the southern half for areas near the northeastern corners of the province. Fire danger rating still at high. A few spots underneath extreme, so please be very diligent. It'll continue to be very dry and with the risk of thunderstorms, lightning there will be a huge concern. Now here's a glance at the smoke forecast. We are continuing to see it across the board. Local smoke will be across the interior. And if you do have respiratory issues, you're recommended to spend uh, time indoors and, and limit the amount of time that you will be outdoors or any activity. Quick update, currently from the BC Wildfire Service, 188 fires. We've got 47. That's jumped now in the last two days, and 70% of them are caused by lightning. Now, the northern half of the province is really inland that will be looking for that potential risk of thunderstorms. It'll be little in terms of precipitation. Lightning will be a big concern and the winds are going to start to pick up, especially for the southern half of the province, the interior, where it's going to be a northwesterly wind, but it'll be fanning the flames. And we are going to see those gusts ramp up over 50 kilometers per hour, potentially, and near the thunderstorms. That'll be the concern where some of those winds could see gusts between 60 and up to 80 kilometers per hour. A hot one once again for all areas across the southern interior and those overnight lows only between 17 and 20 degrees. Along the south coast, we've actually got a bit of cloud cover that's 
it's going to roll in overnight. We'll see it in towards the morning hours. Italy is off, though. We'll actually be back into some sunshine. Warm again once again tomorrow with the Humidex. We'll be feeling like 30 degrees. Plenty of sunshine on Tuesday. Bit of a different weather picture, though, Wednesday, Thursday so far. It looks to be cloud cover remaining dry and temperatures into the low 20s. Nithu? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. An update now on the story we told you about last night on the News Hour. After more than 21 hours in the saddle, a mountain biker has climbed and descended the equivalent of Mount Everest elevation on the North Shore. On Saturday, Ted Russo started his epic ride at 2 a.m. and finished at 11.06 p.m. His goal, to climb 8,848 meters of single-track trails on Mount Fromm, 18 passes up and down the highly technical trails. Russo, an experienced mountain bike racer, decided to take on the challenge because it's there and to raise money for Make-A-Wish to get kids on bikes. Well, we're still waiting for a total on how much he raised, but what an incredible feat. Incredible. Must be wanting to go to bed as well as fast as possible. He's probably soaking right now. Oh, yes. (laughs) Good sleep tonight, that's for sure. As are the athletes you're reporting on today, Barry. Yeah, Whitecaps, uh, it's been a hard year for them. They started the night in last place in the 13-team West, but that could change. For the first time this year, they've scored some goals in the first half. So we'll have early highlights of their game at FC Dallas. And 4th of July, big tradition in the U.S. is the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. (laughs) Joey Chestnut was gulping again. We'll show you that coming up. Don't watch that if you're eating dinner, though, at the (laughs) same time. Turn around. Turn away. Appropriate disclaimer there. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Barry. Coming up, collecting cans for kids. Over a million it has to be. No, it's more than that. It's almost, it's closer to two million. Why the BC couple behind this longtime fundraiser is passing on the torch in a bittersweet goodbye. Well, sometimes a lifetime's work is completed well after you retire from your salary job. That's exactly what happened to a Campbell River couple. The Ruffs have been the power duo behind Cans for Kids, which raises much-needed funds for children's charities. But now the time has come for them to pass on that torch as well. Jay Durant explains. Can you tell I've done this a while? Yeah. By now they're used to the clatter of empty cans. The roughs are retired, but this is a full-time job. Gay does a lot of the sorting. Her husband, Al, does the pickups around the city. It's just mushroom to the point where it's really actually taken over our lives, which is, <laughs> which is fine. It's, it's been amazing to do. It started eight years ago to help secure funds for their son's family so they could adopt two children from Haiti. Eventually, the Ruffs would raise money for 25 different charities that support children, their donations helping the local hospital buy specialized equipment. And all the while, the collection count just kept skyrocketing. Over a million it has to be. No, it's more than that. It's almost, it's closer to two million. That equates to close to $170,000. The Campbell River community helped along the way. A number of volunteers and donations. Speedy Glass gave them the delivery van. A van that now always smells like stale beer. I'm really blessed in the fact that I can't smell. So it, it, my wife says that if I could smell, we wouldn't be doing this because as I see her gagging after lunch, I realize that it's a lot stronger than I think it is. It's been hard work, but so rewarding. Someone else will now be running cans for kids. Alan Gay are retiring from their retirement job. I think if we're younger and a little healthier, we'd probably keep going, but I think the the time has come. 
Well-deserved relaxation. Al just has to remember to take the sorting gloves off. Old habits die hard. Jay Durant, Global News. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, you can email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. And coming up, how a Lytton wildfire survivor's pets were found alive. Then I lost it and I couldn't stop crying. And how it's bringing some much needed relief after she lost her home in the flames. Uncover hidden secrets and little-known treasures on your summer getaway to beautiful Victoria. Foodies, eat your way around the city with Off the Eaten Track, or choose to see it all on two wheels with the Peddler Bike Tours. Opening this July, the Malhat Skywalk is the perfect way to capture the incredible beauty of the area. Learn about the local ecosystem with a shoreline kayak tour, or head further out to sea for a whale-watching experience. Local hotels are ready to welcome you back with safety measures in place for your comfort. Brought to you by Destination BC. Plan your summer getaway at explorebc.com. All right, Barry's back with a look at sports. I haven't had dinner yet. I know you're going to be talking about a hot dog eating contest soon, but before we get to that, what's the latest on the Whitecaps? Yeah, there weren't too many hot dogs left over, <laughs> by the way, so you'll have okay. to find something else. Thanks, Neithu. Yeah, the Whitecaps uh, hope they can keep a little bit of the momentum going tonight in Dallas after a spirited two-ball draw versus a first-place Seattle last Saturday. Vancouver's got just that draw and five losses in their last six. They had to part with one of their best leaders and defenders, Ali Adnan, yesterday because of work visa issues. Is it too much to ask for just a little bit of good fortune from the soccer gods, or are the gods too busy with Euro 2020? Mark DeSantos, likely aware Toronto FC fired their coach today, their last in the East, although Axel Schuster says he's not thinking about coaching changes right now. Dallas got a couple of great chances in the 12th minute. 18-year-old Ricardo Pepe with a couple of point-blank chances, but Max Crapo comes up large, as he often does for the Caps, but Dallas keep coming, and this time, Pepe does finish the job. The power header that gets through Crapo's hands, Pepe with his team-leading fifth goal, and Dallas have a 1-0 lead, and they really did carry the play, but the Whitecaps equalize. They catch a break when the ball goes right through the defender to Lucas Cavallini, who patiently settles before firing home. The first first half goal for the Whitecaps this season in their 12th match, if you can believe that, ties it at one. And then on the last kick of the half from the corner, perfectly delivered by Debar Sacedo and Andy Rose nods it in. A big momentum goal for the Whitecaps. Their first uh, first half lead of the season, 2-1, and they're early in the second half. So maybe the soccer gods are watching. Victoria's Nick Pavetta is having himself a heck of a first half with the Boston Red Sox. The six foot five right hander pitched six and two thirds innings of no hit ball against Tampa about 10 days ago before being lifted because of a high pitch count. Today in Oakland, Pavetta was stellar again, going seven shutout innings, striking out 10, and giving up just two hits as the Red Sox beat the A's 1 0 for Pavetta's seventh victory of 2021. Pavetta entered the game with 99 strikes. Strikeouts on the season. It didn't take long to get number 100 against a very dangerous hitting lineup for Oakland. 
Tony Kemp down swinging after the nasty breaking ball. Elvis Andrews can't handle the big hook either. Then Jed Lowry with runners on second and third, but Pavetta blows the 97-mile-an-hour fastball past him. Pavetta striking out the side in the first. More to come. Bottom of the third, Kemp up again. Strikes out again. That is a tough curveball to hit. Number five for Pavetta. Bottom of the fourth, Jed Lowry. Can't pull the trigger. He goes down for the second time in the game. A's hitters confused and frustrated. Bottom of the fifth, Ramon Laureano. Can't check his swing. He went. That's seven strikeouts for Pavetta. And then Seth Brown looking at strike three. Had the A's players off balance all game long. Eight Ks through five for Pavetta. Bottom of the sixth, the Ramos Garcia. Looking at strike three, and then Matt Olson with a swing and a miss here. Impressive stuff from the 29-year-old. 10 Ks for Pavetta. Red Sox win at 1-0, seventh win of the year for the pride of Victoria. Blue Jays have a fourth player going to the All-Star game. Bo Bichette named as a reserve today, joining starters Vladdy Guerrero Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, and Marcus Semien a week from this Tuesday in Denver. Jays looking to sweep the Tampa Bay Rays. Randall Gritchuk. High fly ball, the left off the top of the fence, then bounces out for a solo home run. one nothing Jays. Robbie Ray pitched great for five innings, but then in the sixth, the Rays got to him for a couple of runs. This one when Hernandez misreads the liner off the bat of Austin Meadows. That scores the go-ahead run, and Tampa goes on for the 5-1 victory. Jays with series against the Orioles and Rays next week before the All-Star break. The Stanley Cup could be handed out tomorrow night in Montreal with the Lightning owning a commanding 3-0 series lead. Tampa can play it any way you want. They're super skilled, but they can play in the trenches too. They have depth, toughness, goaltending, and desire. A pretty tough combination to beat, but the Habs will try to extend the series back to Tampa and avoid the sweep. FIBA Olympic qualifier from Victoria. The final between the Czechs and Greece. Winner goes to the Olympics. And, and the lead Czechs upset Canada yesterday. Yarmir Bohatchik with the 365-49 in the third. Then Chicago Bulls guard Thomas Sedaransky who hit the winning shot against Canada. Smooth stroke there. They kept the pedal down. Patrick Auda making it look easy as the Czechs roll to the 97-72 win. And they are Tokyo bound. All right, let's check out a little uh, golf action. This is the Rocket Mortgage Classic from Detroit. Canada's Mackenzie Hughes rolls in the 20-footer. Hughes finished tied 14th at 13-under. Merritt's Roger Sloan had a good weekend, tied 21st. Nick Taylor of Abbotsford tied 52nd. Meanwhile, Australian Cam Davis out of the bunker on the par 5-17th. That's an eagle. He would then birdie 18 to post 18-under in the lead. But Chile's Joaquin Neiman, how's this? for an approach. Second shot on the par five from 236. Fantastic shot here to about 12 feet. Two putt birdie. He's tied for the lead at 18 under. And his playing partner, Troy Merritt, joins them at the top after this birdie putt. So we require a three-man playoff. Now, Neiman dropped out after the first hole after a bogey, but this went five extra holes before Merritt will miss this six-footer for par so the young Aussie, Cam Davis, gets his first PGA Tour victory, the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. 
It's the traditional day off on the middle Sunday of Wimbledon, but action resumes tomorrow with Manic Monday. All 16 men and women left in the singles draw will play their fourth round matches, including two Canadians. Tenth seed Denis Shapovalov meets Spain's Roberto Bautista Agut at approximately 5 a.m. our time. And the 16 seed Felix Auger-Aliassim takes on fourth seed Alex Vera. That should start around 7 a.m. Pacific. Formula One Austrian Grand Prix. Pole position uh, starting to become Max Verstappen's personal parking space. Led from start to finish during last week's race. Same thing today. Got away with another clean start. Red Bull cars seemingly perfectly tuned these days. Mercedes falling further and further behind in the Drivers and Manufacturers Championship. Valtteri Bottas passing his teammate Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton had car issues today. Hasn't won a race since the Spanish Grand Prix a couple of months ago. Bottas ended up finishing second but it was Verstappen taking the checkered flag for the third straight race. Red Bulls won five in a row. Verstappen and extending his point series lead to 32 over Hamilton. Lando Norris was third, and as far as the Canadians, Lance Stroll was 13th, and Nick Latifi was 15th. What a victory! Are you ready to sip from the volcano? Ride the tornado! Make love to the dragon! Brooklyn, are you ready? Ah, the Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest defending champ Joey Chestnut setting a world record last year by downing 75 dogs and buns in 10 minutes. You have mixed emotions watching something like this. Uh, It's gluttonous and gross, but impressive at the same time. Like watching your uncle burp sing God Save the Queen or something like that. Chestnut is a 13-time Nathan's champ and he destroyed the field again. Also destroyed his gastrointestinal system as well. But it was worth it. 20,520 calories, which is about 10 days worth of calories, but he wins the coveted mustard belt. So I guess it was all worth it. And he's got a big tummy ache. I hope he's feeling okay. (laughs) I I can't imagine he's going to feel okay for a while. No, absolutely. Hopefully it was worth it in his eyes. (laughs) All right, thanks, Barry. And still ahead, we hear from a Lytton wildfire survivor after firefighters found her animals left behind still alive. Stay with us. special stories that shape our province as suggested by our viewers this is bc with jay durant real people real stories on global news hour at six well after losing their dream retirement home to the wildfire a couple near linton got some incredibly relieving news when firefighters tracked down animals they feared had died in the flames it was like a miracle I was like, it was unbelievable. Like everything was, I think I was just so numb and everything was just so black. And then there was this little bright spot that, hey, some of them made it. Trisha Thorpe says she and her husband, who drives a school bus, were asked to help get evacuees out of Lytton on Wednesday. But when they tried to get back to their hobby farm, the flames were too close and they were turned away by fire crews. They evacuated to Lillooet, then re-evacuated to Kelowna, where Thorpe decided to post about her animals on the Lytton Knights Facebook page. Not long after, firefighters were able to get inside and feed the animals. I will forever ever be grateful to those firefighters and to everyone on Lit-Net for what they are Lit-Nights for what they have done. I, I, I'll never be able to repay them for that. It's a moving scene with firefighters cuddling some of the animals who survived, including three adult dogs, seven puppies, four sheep and an alpaca. Thorpe is now trying to find a way to safely move the animals out of the area. Oh, incredible. Wow.
Nice bright spot with everything happening. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it seems to be the case in terms of the forecast as well with cooler temperatures. Yeah, along the south coast, we still have a range between uh, 25 with the Humidex 30, but that's a a real break in comparison to the record-breaking heat that we saw, and then a touch cooler Wednesday, Thursday. But we're still seeing the heat, especially for the southern interior, with temperatures into the low 30s. All right, we'll have to prepare accordingly. Thanks for that, Yvonne. And thank you all for joining us. Have a great night. Jordan will be here at 11.